0: Okay, Bible and Daily Lifers, here we are. We are moving through the New Testament. We're in Mark chapter 14. Now, the unfortunate thing about being in Mark 14 is there's no way we're going to be able to look at every one of these verses. You see, this particular part of the Scripture, we've said it before, is the last week of the life and the ministry of Jesus. So everything that's happening... In all of these uh, previous chapters, from chapter 11 to chapter 14, all the way to the end, Mark 16, it's all the last week in the life in the ministry of Jesus. And there's so much that's going on. Uh, The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they either put about a third or 25%, somewhere there, 25, 30, 33% of each one of those Gospels is just that last week. So Jesus is coming in and out of the city of Jerusalem. It's the Feast of the Passover. This is the third time that he comes in with his disciples, and it will be the last time. And Jesus knows that he's coming in to die. He's going to give his life for the sins of the world, for your sins and for my sins. And so everything's leading up to that, and there's a lot of commotion, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, The personalities are all coming out now, all of the disciples, everyone else, it's all coming out who they are and what's going on. So we're going to start with chapter 14 and verse 1. And we're just going to have to cherry pick this because there's no way we can do it all. Now the Passover feast, the feast of the unleavened bread, we're only two days away. So we're getting to the feast. Jesus is going to die on the Passover because he is the Passover. Again, this word this phrase comes from Exodus, where Exodus chapter 12, where they were to take an innocent lamb, they were slaves in Egypt. They were to take an innocent lamb and slay that innocent lamb and put the blood of the lamb, the blood of the innocent lamb on their doorpost. they were to own it for themselves, the blood of this innocent lamb. The innocent lamb takes the place of the guilty. and when the angel of death comes over, He said, I will pass over you. You won't die because I'll see the blood. And same thing happens with us. Although we die a physical death, we live with Jesus forever because he will resurrect us just like he was resurrected and we will be with him forever, wherever the Lord is. That's where we'll be. Well, he is the Passover and he is going to die on the Passover, even though the religious authorities do not want him to die on the Passover because they think it will make too much of a stink, too much of a big deal. All of the people there and all the people who like him would just be crazy. But Jesus is going to die in the Passover. It's ordained. It's got to happen. Verse 14, verse 1. Now the Passover and the Feast of the Unleavened Bread were only two days away, closing in. The chief priests and the teachers of the Lord were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. Uh, not what you would like from your spiritual leaders. Not what you would like from the elders and the deacons in your church that they would be putting together some sly way to kill you. Well, they want to kill Jesus. But not during the feast, they said, or the people may riot. It's going to happen during the feast. It's got to happen during the feast. This is, It's ordained to happen during the feast. Jesus is the Passover. He's, he's the final Passover. While at Bethany... Where they're staying, they're going in and out of the city, staying in Bethany. While he was in Bethany, he was reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper. Now, Simon didn't have leprosy; he's probably healed, so it's probably more Simon the healed leper. And while he's there in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came in with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard, and she broke the jar and she poured the perfume on his head. Now. Um having something valuable like this in a jar like this, in an alabaster jar, in a beautiful jar, some of this was um, the way that you might keep your your cash, your wealth, uh, you put it in something valuable and you keep it and it's valuable to you and you, you know, you use it when you need to use it or maybe you just pass it down. Maybe it's an inheritance for your children, your grandchildren, but very valuable, very valuable. And she takes this very valuable perfume and she pours it on Jesus. Now, some of those who were present were were indignantly saying to one another, why this waste of this perfume, all of this money? She's pouring wealth on him and it's dripping off of him and dripping onto the floor. Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages. Now, I don't know what you make a year. But think about what a a year's wages is for anybody, for anybody. So, uh, you know, quite a bit of money being poured out here. And they said it could have been used for the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Why did you do that? Why did you pour that on him? Could have been used for the poor. What a waste. Oh, no. When you pour your most valuable self and your most valuable stuff on Jesus, it's never a waste. Never a waste. Jesus said, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing for me. The poor you will always have with you. And we still do. Had the poor then. Have the poor now. And we should be caring for the poor. Jesus is not saying we shouldn't care for the poor. We should care for the poor. The poor you always will have with you. And you can help them anytime you want. Well, um, it's kind of funny because they're saying they could have used her money to take care of the poor. (laughs) What about their money? oh, why not use theirs? Did he want to use hers? Oh, you know, you shouldn't have done that with your money. You should have used your money to help the poor. We're so funny as people. He said, but you won't always have me. And she did what she could. Well, there's a, if you're a preacher, that might be a great sermon. She did what she could. And I think that's all that's expected of us is that we do what we could. And what she could do to prepare Jesus for his death and for his burial and to worship him was to pour the most valuable thing she had on his head and to give it to him. And it could never be used for anything else but the worship of Jesus, adorning Jesus. She did what she could. She poured the perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Wow, what a prophecy that is. He's saying that he's going to die. He's going to be buried and that she has prepared his body to be buried. And of course, they would do that. When a body would die, they would prepare it and they would bury it. You know, we do the the same thing today. Now, some, you know, funeral practices are changing, but we would, you know, go to the undertaker and the undertaker would clean you and dress you up and get you ready for burial. And he's getting ready for burial, getting ready to die. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, whenever the gospel is preached, wherever the gospel is preached, throughout the world, What she has done will also be told in memory of her. So the thing that she did ends up being known by everybody in all places at all times. Wherever this goes, wherever the word of God goes, whatever country, whatever culture, whatever people, whatever tribe, whatever tongue, whatever language, whatever people, whatever century, this story would be told. Jesus is prophesying that this particular act would spread around the globe for centuries to come. And now here we are looking at this specific act that was done. Jesus said that we would be reading this right now. Isn't that amazing? We are reading it together right now. And Jesus said that we would be reading it together right now. (laughs) You can take Jesus at his word. Take Jesus to the bank because his checks are good. Well, then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, he went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and they promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Wow, he's selling Jesus. He's going to sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver. Well, it goes on and it talks about the Lord's Supper. They have the Passover together. Really, this thing that they have, verses 12 through 26, is just a replication of the Passover. What we do now, we take the cup and we take the bread. And we reenact what happened that night. It's called the Last Supper. We call it communion, the Lord's Supper, fellowship, dinner, different things like that. So you can read about that. You can read that Jesus predicts that Peter's going to deny him. And Peter says he won't deny him. But yet Peter does. Peter does. Uh, Jesus goes to Gethsemane, uh, the oil press, where there he's crying out in the garden. And here's what he says. He says, Father... Everything is possible. Take this cup from me. I'm reading from verse 36. Abba, Father, which means Daddy, God, my Father. Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Well, um, Jesus knows that this cup is going to the cross. And it's not just the brutal suffering of the cross and the pain of the cross. It's that God is going to look away from him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where Jesus goes on the cross and takes the sin of the world, and God doesn't look on the sin of the world and turns. Jesus takes all of the sin, takes your sin, takes my sin, takes it to the cross. And Jesus said, if there's another way to reconcile people to God, if there's another way for salvation, if there's another way to be saved... If there's another way to heal this broken relationship between people and God, let's do it. There's no other way. Jesus, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus was God incarnate. God, the judge, has taken your penalty and has taken my penalty, which either it was our act of uh, rebellion against God or it was our passive indifference against God. And Jesus has taken the penalty that we deserve and has taken it upon himself to reconcile us to the Father. Is there any other way? No other way. No other way. You can keep reading on and you'll see that Jesus goes to religious court where they find him guilty, but it's just a fake trial. It's a bunch of make-believe. And Jesus is going to the cross. He's going to go to the cross. And Peter denies him, just uh, just like Jesus said he would. Hey, so Bible and Daily Life, find us wherever you find us. Find us on Facebook, find us on YouTube, find us on iTunes, um, find us all over the place. So wherever you find us, that's where we are. We're on podcasts all over the place. Uh, So uh, BibleAndDailyLife.com, you can find us there. Hey, bless you. Love you guys. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. Peace. Blessings.